I was playing pickup basketball and there was this one guy who uh, had came in and we were all just shooting around before we were getting started. And he, he was really sore. He kind of airballed a few. He was really sore. He said he just did like Tabata, uh, which was in my, in my, in my head is like a, a workout, like a clock workout, but he did like hot yoga with weights or some shit. People are doing all kinds of crazy things. And anyway, <laughs> and anyways, later, later the guy, two guys collide and he's just like one of those like uh 90s nfl like um you know clips where they're all just like here comes the boom right. he would just he just flipped and he fell on his back and his head and as soon as i realized like okay he's like okay ish <laughs> i was like man in my head i i had to pause from saying it because it was too serious i was i was like you're gonna have to keep you're gonna have to stop doing those tabata classes or something like that you know it's like <laughs> Gonna have to hit up another Tabata class. I'm like, no, you just can't. You just can't say that, right? No, now. no, you can't. Hit the weights more. You know, you need to be doing more cleans or something. Get They're your core clean. right. Yeah, you can't really roast people in the moment like that. But you see the opportunity for the funny. Um, today's show is sponsored by Naked Warrior Recovery. Um, so happy that they became a sponsor of the show. They have greens, CBD uh, gummies, CBD lotions, CBD drinks, CBD t-shirts, uh, all these recovery products on their website. Uh, I love these products. These are my two favorites, which are the green apple gummies and the happy berry uh, energy drink. That thing to me is so awesome. It's dangerously good. You should get some. Um, and guess what? You can, if you go to their website, nwrecovery.com and use code CMP20 at checkout, uh, you'll get 20% off your order. The reason I love these is not only because of the products and the way that it makes me feel both as an athlete recovering, but as a person dealing with everything going on in the world, uh, they are veteran owned, veteran operated. And a part of their mission is to support veterans, first responders and athletes and helping them recover uh, and live happier more fulfilled life so again uh, you can support them support the show support their mission uh, and support your damn self by going to nw-recovery.com and save yourself 20% by using code CMP20 again my favorites are the green apple gummies and the happy berry energy drinks if you're listening to the show, do us a huge favor. Hit the subscribe button, whether it's on YouTube or on the podcast. We mean total um, awesomeness. It would be awesome if you could do that. We would appreciate it. Hit the like. Uh, if you feel like you get a lot of value out of the show, share it with a friend. That would help us uh, get the word out there. The team works hard, yo. Uh, we got lights. We've got cameras. We've got iPads. We've got supplements and mugs. Uh, it would be great for, for you to share the love there, too. You can also support, support the show with some money. We have Cash App, we have Venmo, we have PayPal. And if you go to Linktree slash Kale Marker, uh, that's L-I-N-K-T-R period E-E slash Kale Marker, uh, you can find the links there. It'd be super awesome. Uh, we have some bigger plans for the show and just would, uh, if you have some extra monies you want to throw around, awesome. Hitting that record button. We are recording and we are recording. Joe Byers. Thank you so much for being here, man. Welcome to Kale Mark Podcast. Thanks for having me, Kale. This is pretty cool. This is uh, this is a interesting way to have met one another through uh, a different Facebook or YouTuber, and then kind of coming to meet one another. So, like I said before we hopped on, uh, you're a performer. So, why don't you tell everybody who you are and what you're about? Oh well, hey everybody, I'm a performer voice coming at you. Oh, I'm a comedian and podcaster, Joel Byers. I'm also a trophy husband. That's my claim to fame. But uh, I've been a comedian a little over 10 years now. And I've self-produced my own tours, my own comedy special, and self-produced my own podcast called Hot Breath that now has over 300 interviews with almost any comic you can think of. So it's, it's been a whole journey of just me as a comic wanting to create things I wish existed. And it's now becoming an online community where I've Kale and I connected of like-minded comics around the world, just wanting to get better together. So it's been, it's an honor to be here and really connect with you face to face, Kale, because I've seen your profile picture a lot, but it's nice to see your, your pretty face now as well. Oh, thank you. And I wish I could say the same, but I just like the mustache better, you know? <laughs> oh, I forgot. I should have mentioned that. 
comedian podcaster mustache that should have been <laughs> i i was scrolling the instagram i was like uh i should do a little bit of homework let's go through his instagram a little bit and i saw that i'm like yes yes <laughs> that's good it's real you said 300 episodes congratulations that's a lot you're doing Thank a lot you. you you said something there that's uh interesting is you are creating things that you wish existed and i got a slew of notes on this piece of paper in front of me you're doing the podcast you're doing stand-up you're doing the mustache right uh you have the breath of verse uh mm -hmm. comedy you produced your own netflix special you produce your own podcast uh and for your facebook group that is uh the breath of verse mm -hmm. you're just doing a lot and um i'm kind of curious how you keep your shit together well, you could see by us scheduling this podcast how together or not it is. It's a lot of front-facing togetherness, but it, it's really just having a supportive community and empowering others to like take action as well. You know, so a lot of things happening in the Facebook group are, you know, I do the daily writing club in there, but there's a lot of other comics around the world who like to take action, start conversations, and things like that. So it really is a community effort, but it's all based around me doing so much to do and I'm doing things that I would do for free, which is fortunate because most of what I am doing is for free, which I'm so grateful to have people that care about even a free writing club I do every day, you know? So it's all centered around my passion, which I think is what gives it the drive to do things every single day. Uh, Cause it, it can add up if you think back, it's like, wow, we've done over 250 joke writing challenges you know like every single day basically some step back and think about but it's just every day it's just kind of taking one step in front of the other and it's starting to gain momentum as you have said before we even started the interview so i'm i'm just grateful to even just be a part of it to be honest is there anybody else doing what that like the the uh, the facebook group and and for writing i'm assuming you're saying writing comedy right 10 minutes uh, mm -hmm. or at 10 o'clock every day, yeah. 10 minutes of writing, writing a joke. Uh, is there anybody else, any comics that are providing that type of community at all? I haven't seen any, you know, and I, I've, I'm always looking for what is missing. And I think when we did, we did the Q and A with Jeff Foxworthy and he mentioned it being like looking for the empty parking spot, you know, is how he looked at it. And it is just seeing, okay, what is here in comedy? What do I wish existed? Like with the podcast, it started five years ago because every comic that had a podcast was them trying to out funny each other. They were just joking around the whole time. And I was like, I don't know. I like the moments where they talk about the craft and how they write jokes and how they book that TV gig and things. So I was like, well, let me create a show that is just that. So that's kind of become like the impetus for everything I do is what do I enjoy doing? What is missing from the industry I love, which is the comedy industry? And community is a big piece that was missing from comedy. I felt like, especially coming up in my own scene 10 years ago, not being the cool kid, you know, not getting to hang out really and being invited to pool, be on the hip shows and whatnot. I was just like a young comic that wanted to get as funny as possible. And there was no real like community around that. It wasn't very collaborative. It was very competitive. So this online community we have now is just all about the opposite. It's about being positive. It's about being supportive. There's no like competition. We're all in this together and people are really responding to it. And it's kind of showing me that I'm not the only one that felt the comedy communities in your local scenes that, oh, it's people aren't very nice. Well, this is a place where everyone is nice. It's kind of cool. Uh, I hear a lot of people talking about it is everything used to be competitive but now it's like everything's abundant there's enough to go around and, and that's mm -hmm. i think a large part to just the internet and the availability to you know in my mind if i look back and um i mean you've been doing it 10 years so you're 10 years ahead of me in my comedy career just getting started so um and i i just feel like there was shows that you clubs you could get into and you could get into tv and you might be able to do an improv club but other than that there was not really availability to to explore comedy it was and that's why i think it was so and i'm kind of this kind of forming this as a question is that why it was so dog eat dog versus now you know there's enough to go around and people like yourself who are coming up kind of creating an environment you wish you had which you actually did say that and so um i think 
uh, that's great that you're doing that because it's more inviting for me coming from like a rural Ohio area where I'm from comedy and, and being like uh, a comedian is, or being a, a, an actor or anything like that is just doesn't seem existent. doesn't seem like it's even an option. And, and thanks to people like you, you make it more realistic for you, for us to participate in that, whether, no matter what the level is. So I'm just mm -hmm. one, uh, just sharing some gratitude for you there. Uh, also 10, 10 years. <laughs> is a long time yes <laughs> it is a long it's a decade my friend yeah I, I believe that's what they call that 10 years that is. is a decade so yeah. how, how old how old were you when you got started uh 22 so i'm 32 now i started my senior year of college i was about to graduate and i had nothing else to lose you know graduate from college to move back home and be a dishwasher so i decided to try comedy and as soon as i did it like that was it. Like if it wasn't the second semester of my senior year, I probably would have dropped out. Like as soon as I did comedy, I was like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And then everything I've done since then, even if it is working at Enterprise Rent-A-Car from seven to five and then being out at open mics all night and then getting back up and doing it again, all of everything I've done since doing stand-up has been in the pursuit of making this my job. I love it. You still work at Enterprise Rent-A-Car? No, and I don't endorse them. <laughs> it was not a fun job. It was terrible. It was terrible. Oh. Um, what was it like? Tell me, because uh, I think right around when you, so there's some interesting things that's happened, right? I, I have always been a fan of comedy ever since I was young. I played sports. I played, um, I grew up, I played college baseball. I was always around that, but I never admired really sports. I don't watch sports to this day, but I love comedy. I love it. Um, and so about three months ago, I made a commitment to myself that I was going to write every day. And as soon as I did that, I'm an Uber driver. So uh, I met a couple of people that you might know, Marshall, um, what's his last name? Childs. Childs. Yeah. And I met uh, Bob Place, Plate, Place, Place. And I met both of these guys while in Dayton, Ohio, because I drive Uber right now to uh i drove them to the Chappelle thing out in yellow springs and i got to ride with him so like a week a week goes by and i i meet i meet i think it was like i meet you and then a week later i drop them off and i'm like they're atlanta you're atlanta i was like this is getting weird and then i saw you and noah kagan's group i'm like okay so i guess i need to start this thing right wow like, yeah it all so, lined up for you a little bit so my curiosity is is the whole reason for sharing that story was like what's it like to get started, right? Like, I'll ask that. It's, it's, it's kind of like starting anything. It's like starting a new skill. I mean, it's like starting to do push-ups. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, I thought I'd at least be able to rip off 20 here. And it's just kind of like, it's harder, I would say, than you think it'll be. Like people see comedy and they're like, oh, they're just talking. Or even someone that appreciates comedy, they're like, I mean, I get it. They write jokes, you know, it's crafted. What they're doing is like a performance. And then like when you get into it and you're like, oh, you mean 80% of what I create is worthless? And then I have to go out every night and try it on stage and then just perform to the same people at open mics a lot of the times. Oh, and then I still may not make it. Oh my gosh. Like, the reality of the process, the invisible work behind an hour special is like a hundred hours of failure, you know, and that's the part people don't understand. So that's why in my interviews, I always ask the comics, you know, their worst booze story and things like that about their struggles, because I just want people to understand the reality of comedy. You know, I don't like to sugarcoat it. Even, you know, I have, I have a writing class people can take, but I say in that class, like, this isn't the magic bullet. Like these techniques will work if you do. If you don't write, these techniques will not work for you. So I've told, I tell people that in the class and I offer people refunds. If like, if this is why you took this class, then I'll give you a refund now because I'm here to give you techniques to use to help you level up your comedy, but it's not gonna level up itself. You have to write, you have to perform, you have to review your performances and just rinse and it's a process. And you could tell from doing, you know, the daily writing club and even seeing me, 
most of what I write in there is worthless and I'm embarrassed to read it, but I feel obligated because it's my show, technically my show, even though I, I've won it like once, you know, it's like, it's a lot, it's a work, it's full-time job. And if you want it to be your job, you have to treat it as such. So if you have a day job, it's like, okay, your night job is now comedy. And that's what I had to do for probably six or seven years before it did become my full-time job. Did you find, do you find that a little liberating though, knowing I guess for myself, I find it a little liberating know that I have to write a hundred and 98 of them are going to suck. It mm -hmm. kind of just sets the tone versus saying like, oh, I have to write the one, right? Because yeah. I've, I've, I've felt that pressure. Uh, I, so just a little background, because this is the first time we're really meeting each yeah. other really and talking is I owned a CrossFit gym from like 22 to 26 or something like that. And I just like, I thought I had to know everything about uh, anatomy, physiology, all health. I, I thought I had to know all of it. And the reality is like, you just, it takes time to do these things. And I just felt so much pressure as being like perfect all the time. And kind of, so what I'm saying is I feel liberated by the fact that, oh, and now it's easier to write because I know that most of them are going to suck. So I can take the pressure off and just actually start to enjoy it. And I didn't know if that was something that you kind of had to go through as you were a young guy at 22, getting on stage with all your misconceptions of what it really was uh, mm -hmm. till today. Yeah, it's true. It is that process over like, we'd say progress over perfection in the right 10 club. Exercising the writing muscle and just getting a little bit better every single day and hearing, that's why it's important to hear like interviews on the podcast with comics 20 years in who still say, you know, I'll write 20 things and only keep one or two of them type deal. Like it is reassuring to know at every level, we're all still trying to figure it out. I think that's why Don Rickles said comedians don't die, they or they don't retire, they die. Because it is like a lifelong pursuit of like this never ending Rubik's Cube. That's why Seinfeld, basically a billionaire still goes on tour. You know, it's just something within us that we just can't help but want to do regardless. And we would do it for free. And it's a good thing because yeah, you will do a lot of comedy for free for free, but it's about that experience. And it's about just honing your craft and having that discipline of doing it for free. So when you do get paid, you appreciate it that much more. I'm sure it's sweet. What is your boo story? <laughs> uh, there's, there's so many. Um, I mean, the one, the one that's coming to mind, a boo, it was like, I got the light shut off on me. Um, <laughs> Is that is that a club here in Atlanta called Uptown Comedy Corner, which is known as like the first urban comedy club. And like I mean, saying not being in the cool crowd or whatever in my scene, like I was doing any show. I was doing strip clubs. I was doing sidewalks. I was doing like buses. Like I was just doing wherever I could perform. And part of that was me being the white boy on a lot of shows. Like I came up in the scene like as white boy Joel. You know, I would go wherever for stage time. I didn't care what it was or who it was in front of. And at this particular night at Uptown, um, they weren't having me. And this was like their 1 a.m. show. There's probably like 20 people in the room and the room holds probably like 350. So it wasn't a great show to begin with, but maybe like a minute in, there weren't any laughs. And all of a sudden the lights just shut off on me. And then everyone starts laughing. That's when I get the laughs is when the lights shut <laughs> off. And like, I didn't think I was bombing. I just thought they were listening. Like to this day, I still don't think I was bombing. You know, they just weren't laughing, which I guess is the definition of bombing. But I really, I went to like reaction mode. And just the first thing I could think to say was like, oh, a black establishment not paying their light bill. So then after that, uh, I just ran off the stage. I just put the mic back and uh, nobody booed me or anything. But like the people that, I wasn't getting paid, but I was like booked on there. I was like, yeah, you can do our late night showcase that has 20 people. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Do I get robbed too? This will be great. And then, you know, I, uh, the place that wanted me to be there at first decided to shut the lights off on me in the middle of a show. And it, it was a, it's like, I bounced back so much better now, but in those early days, this may have been like, I would, gosh, I would have a whole week ruined if I bombed. Dude, if my opening joke didn't get a laugh a lot of the times, or even my opening breath, I would just bail on the set and be like, well, I guess this isn't 
going to be a good set anyway. Nobody loves me because I walked up here, I guess. And I would turn around and like start rubbing the walls and just, it was just, I would just bail at the first breath. And then I got a little better at being resilient on stage. And then I got better at bouncing back after the set. If it didn't go like I thought it would have or thought it should have or wish it had, I've gotten better at bouncing back from it to where it now it doesn't ruin my entire week. But you've got to bomb a lot to start to learn how to bounce back from them. You know, just like you got to write a lot of bad jokes to learn how to write a good joke. Similar with the performance side is it's a lot of bombing, especially in the early days, which is why that's like the benchmark question on my podcast is like, what's your boo story? Because everyone has too many to too many to count. But there's always one that'll you'll just always just sting. And that was one where I'm a legendary comedy club. This is awesome. And then the lights shut off. <laughs> I feel like that's real life advice, though, man. Like, I think a lot of people would quit. And a lot of people do quit, I'm sure, in comedy. Mm -hmm. Maybe because it's just legitimately not for them. But sometimes it's most of the time, I'm sure, or half the time or whatever the fuck the statistic is, they just can't handle that. Um, and I feel as an entrepreneur, that's kind of how I got started with everything is like, I've bailed on some businesses cause I just, they were fucking hard and I was getting, you know, <laughs> I was getting the equivalent of a boo. And I think that's, I think that's an important message. Cause I have listeners from all not just all comedy podcasts or anything like that. So I have all kinds of listeners and I feel like it's just when you're going after something that you, you love, like you have to be willing to kind of feel the boo and go through the boo in order to kind of continue going and in pursuing what you love. I, ha I have a question about skills because I, I have a feeling like it's kind of changed. You have the obvious skills and then the not so obvious skills. So like one of the things you said was you would write a joke and it would bomb and it'd be the first line you'd like, fuck. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so what are some of the not so obvious skills that you need to build as, as a young, from a, from a, a decade old comedian to a, a, a decade day, uh, decade day jesus christ there's one great, there's man. this is there's, great there's, there's there's one for the 99 not gonna work <laughs> no you're great and i i um yeah that's a good question i i would say i mean a lot of it has nothing to do with comedy i mean i think a lot of it is it parallel always i always study I don't even listen to that many podcasts that are like comedy related i mean i'm more into like mindset podcasts and business podcasts and really trying to figure out how to better myself as a person that then translates into my comedy. But I think mindset is a huge thing. And this is something that even came up in, um, I do a weekly Q and A in our hot breath pro membership group. And someone asked, um, like, how do I know if my goals are too big? Like they were wondering, like, how do I know when I'm it's, it's like a comic in Nebraska who's just like, but I'm just from Nebraska. Who am I to do X, Y, and Z? You know, and I was like, no, no goal is too big. Like you can't aspire too much. Like I encourage you to really aspire to do things that make you uncomfortable. Like last year when I um, self-produced my own comedy special, like that was my first year setting a like a goal that I had no idea how I was going to achieve. Like I had a goal of, creating my own album and running a marathon. And I had no idea how I was going to do either, but I was like, here we go. And then just serendipitously, a listener of the podcast has a, um, a video production company. So he heard me talking about recording an album and he's like, we should just make it a special. So it just kind of organically became a special, but it was just something I said, I want to do this. I have no idea how I'm going to do it. Now let's figure it out. And I actually learned, I learned a lot from, doing things outside of comedy that really help. I dude, I think running a marathon changed my life just from a mindset perspective, just from setting a goal and having to incrementally, like you have to run, you have to run every day or you're going to die in that fine, those final few miles. Like, cause the final few miles, like I got into so much self-talk and I just kept saying, if you stop, you'll die. If you stop, you'll die. Like, <laughs> And that mindset has like carried me into like how I pursue my own life now, how I pursue my business, my own career and things like that is like set scary goals and then just work towards them incrementally and just know that they're possible just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not worth it. And I think that is something comedians, they can have a lot of low self-esteem or self-doubt 
And that's why we want to be in front of the light and like be in front of the audience. So we feel like we finally understood or what we finally have value. But I think if you can find value off stage, it only will translate to more on stage. And I think that's so important for anyone. But speaking comedy specific, I think mindset has been the biggest thing for me that throughout my career, the stronger my mindset got, the better I was able to get at comedy, even to the point of letting go of why isn't that close why why am i not on this hip show you know where's my ironic beard and flannel shirt like all these different things i was telling myself of like why i'm not getting on a late night show or whatever like all these things that are out of my control as soon as i released them that's when all these opportunities started to come in that actually moved the needle and wasn't some vanity metric that would make me feel better before I go to sleep at night. It was, um, that was a big one for me. I think letting go of things I can't control really opened up the world to actually opportunities that I'm still doing today. Uh, that's wonderful. That's <laughs> Let's put that on repeat. Uh, and that was kind of unexpected too. And, and, and for, for me, I appreciate the hell out of that because my podcast listeners know that that like, that's my entry into, into comedy really is I, I went through health. Uh, I went through, uh, not hell, maybe hell. We could probably get on that too, uh -huh. but I've been, I, I feel like I've been through enough booze in my life that mm -hmm. were off stage that I kind of am entering comedy with the mindset of like, I have to have a mindset. I have to stop giving a fuck about what people think. And I've had to find that in ways through my divorce, through, uh, selling my gym, through going through bankruptcy, through like just fuck shit fuck shit over and over again wow, and, yeah. and so i appreciate hearing from a comic who's been doing it for 10 years that that's actually a huge um component now that you've learned over time it's in a way it's it's refreshing and the other thing is uh, i kind of used the word earlier is like it must be liberating to now train your mindset and have other modalities that kind of help you give less fucks for what people think and now you you get to do it for the sake of you because i don't know I, i'm gonna ask i'm gonna pose this as a question uh, but i don't know about you but for me i put a lot of value in most everything i do on other people's opinions and other people's acceptance of who i am i always wanted people to like me and just recently have said i don't care right like mm -hmm. i can't live my i can't i cannot and will not live my life based on how you feel about me in this moment because I, it's just a, that's a that's a prison sentence to me so um i don't know if that's shifted for you from 22 to 32 are you 32 yeah i'm 32 now yeah you yeah, still look really 22 let go of that yeah letting go of what is out of my control is really the biggest thing that helped me and that that added so much clarity because now i was looking for what matters as opposed to what matters to other people and that, I think that's been the biggest shift for me. And it took me honestly like seven or eight years into comedy to let go of why this club isn't, this club, no, this club is empty. And I'm still like, why are they not booking me in front of four people on a Thursday? This isn't fair, you know? Why can't I get my $50 and one half price meal? You know, just, just things that we're kind of conditioned to think, especially when you talk about the old way of comedy, which is why, uh, you know, the whole tagline of hot breath is like cultivating great comics, because I do feel like we're disrupting the industry and setting the new standard and the new watermark for comedy and that self-made comedian. But the old way was, okay, we're conditioned to do open mics. We go to the club, we be nice, we become a host, we become a feature, and then maybe they'll let us headline things like that. And you climb that ladder but now it's wide open and the internet has definitely helped that. And I'm really hoping that hot breath sets the template of like that self-made success. You don't have to wait for someone to pay you to do a special. You can produce it yourself. You don't have to wait to go on tour. You can produce your own tour. You can start your own local show. Like you can, you can do it yourself and actually have more success and more gratification from it as well. But it all started with letting go of that like scarcity mentality and really having a more growth mindset. How do, how, do you, how do you cultivate, how do you personally cultivate um, that type of mindset? I think now it's like reminding myself if I'm upset about something or if I'm feeling down about something, I have to like catch myself 
and think, well, is this within my control? And most of the time it's not. Most of the things that upset me or make me feel down are completely out of my control. And it could be something as silly as like a YouTube comment that, <laughs> you know, it could be something silly like that. And I'm like, oh man. But it, it, I have to remind myself that when I am feeling down, I have to like think, well, what triggered this? What caused this? And it's still, I'm a work in progress. Like I by no means have this figured out, but I am very mindful of surrounding myself. And I, I look at like the content I consume and things like that, like as part of my diet. So it's like, if I'm listening to something silly, like, uh, like, uh, Bert and Tom on their two bears, one cave, it's like, yeah, this is cool, but it's like, I'm eating a candy bar right now. I'm not yes. getting anything out of it. The rest of the day, I'm a little more like loopy and kind of like, what does it matter? But if I'm listening to like Tom bill you, or, you know, like an Ed, my or something like that, I like, enter the day like charge if i listen to those things in the morning then my day is more supercharged because i'm in that mode and that mindset so i've really had to like cultivate it from a self-awareness perspective of what am i thinking what am i feeling and what triggered this but also surrounding myself like we say that you're the some of the five people around you i think even what you listen to becomes who you are as well so i'm very mindful about listening to those high performers performers and let it trickle down to me i fucking love that that's mm -hmm. good i wasn't expecting any of that that's what i love doing these podcasts because in a sense um with technology we're able to sit in a room with each other right like mm -hmm. uh, all those people you mentioned and this is why it's just so funny probably it's tom billiou uh jim quick uh noah kagan uh yeah. in my lab blah, blah 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 go on and on you're actually sitting in a room with those people consuming their content and sometimes when you're scrolling on instagram and facebook and TikTok, those are like those candy bar moments like you're talking about two bears one cave which i fucking love and i kick yeah. my feet up and, and listen to that <laughs> and i think i think what you're saying what you're saying though has a lot of validity because if you watch that at the beginning of the day your day kind of takes that tone and it, depending on what you want for your life is the is the biggest point which if you don't have that defined you have to define that for yourself or figure that out right mm -hmm. then you can kind of set the tone and i don't think we've ever lived in a time that's been so awesome where we can do that right like i can sit in a room with like you were talking about this earlier is like you go to you go do sidewalk shows and and you're never around comics that you want to be around right but now i get to sit in a room with you know two bears one came tom, uh, tom and bert or i get to sit in uh the fucking podcast studio with Joe Rogan. And I never would have been able to do that before. So we live in an, an amazing time to be able to kind of connect with these people and, and kind of level up a lot faster than we would if we were just doing this on our own. Maybe, I don't know. But I think, um, I think you use it as a tool or as a toy. And I think I try to use woo. social media and all the content I'm consuming more as a tool, definitely. And it's been a process. You know, I've been riding down the road scrolling Instagram, looking at donuts, like the things that you're just like, what am I doing right now? You know what I mean? Like I've had to catch myself in those moments and I haven't, I haven't done that in a while. Haven't relapsed, but you know, sugar's another thing I'm like looking into a lot and just this, the destruction of it. But, um, that was like something I used to do. And it's just like, what am I doing? I don't even need to be following these accounts, but it being aware of the moment, and then, okay, how did I get here and how can I change it and like prevent it moving forward? But it starts with that awareness of like, where am I right now? Okay, how can I change? What's in my control to how can I change this? It's interesting. One, I love the tool and toy. I've not heard that and it's fucking awesome. I I'm just going to claim it as you coined it in your, in your, in this podcast. <laughs> sure, here. I absorbed it from somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere. But it is interesting, right? Because what you're doing, uh, and I'm going to talk about your Netflix or your, not, not your Netflix special, your Netflix special. It's your future one. Uh, this, I work for Netflix. You have yes. one uh, <laughs> sending a contract. So, um, no, your comedy special that you did, uh, just, mm -hmm. just let people know where they can find that, uh, and what it's called real quick. Yeah. Or it's not real quick. Yeah, it's available comedy.com. It's called The Trophy Husband. Uh, after 10 years in comedy, I invested in created my own comedy special. Uh, my it's it's it was a family affair too. Like my dog and wife were on the front row. We filmed a lot of behind the scenes stuff for it as well. It was it was really just me at a point about to be 10 years in my career. And I was like, well, what do I have to show for this first 10 years? Well, let me record a comedy special to showcase all the work I've put in over the past 10 years. And I'm super proud of it. I filmed it at 
the venue, the first venue to ever book me as a headliner. I was like four years in this place called the basement theater. Let me headline way before uh, I, I should have been doing an hour, but um, it's just a fun raw look into comedy that I don't think people get when they watch a Netflix special of like the pretty polished, perfect venue with the crane swooping and like the 2000 people, you know, this is an intimate venue with like 60 people of just like rawly funny comedy that I don't think you can get from watching like a Netflix special. And in thinking of the inverse and thinking of like the empty parking spots, I'm always looking for what people are doing and then how can I do the opposite? So for the special, I saw a lot of people producing their own specials and then releasing them on YouTube for free, which is great, builds awareness, builds exposure, et cetera. But I was like, what's the opposite? What if I produce it and then sell it on my website? And it's donation based, like you can pay what you want for it. But I just wanted to test the theory of instead of giving it away, would people pay for the same product they could get on YouTube buying it? And I think they like the story behind it, but I think they also like can appreciate someone that invested in themselves jumping into comedy as a senior in college. Now, 10 years in like, all right, let's go all in on this comedy special to inspire other people, whether it is as a comedian, just their own projects, or if it's someone that wants to start a jewelry business and they're like, okay, if he did it, maybe I can jump in and pursue my own passions. So it really was just an opportunity for me to hopefully inspire other people to invest in themselves and just start creating their own success. Well, I think you're at the forefront of that. Cause I think we're going to see a lot more um, of that. And I think on one hand, there are, what like those big giant Netflix specials, that, that's probably got to be 10% of what comedy is, if way less than that, of what really, you know, how most comics live their life. And I think you give a good insight with that is into your Netflix, uh, your, your Netflix special. They've coined that. It's like, it's like Kleenexes are not actually Kleenexes. They're tissue paper. Yeah, it really is. It. Yeah, that really is like our default now. It's like, is it on Netflix? Oh, then it doesn't matter or whatever. But that, well, I, I didn't say-, say that. I didn't say that. Don't put that shit in my mouth. <laughs> it is. That's like the 1% of comedy. Like most comics may never even perform in a theater, much less what you're seeing in a Netflix special is a sold out theater and they filmed it four times and pieced together the perfected bits and moments of each one out of four recordings like mine i've taped it once at one point i forget my jokes i leave that part in um at the beginning we forgot to have a camera set up so we do a whole intro i come out like yeah here's my big break and then we forgot to set up a camera we had to reset like i leave i leave all of it in just to show this is really what comedy is it's just a comic who's really funny it out in front of other people even like on his special taping it's real. It's, it's also human. Be, it's be, yeah, it's being fucking realistic. Like, yeah. dude, I got, I got, I'm in my house, right? Like I'm recording <laughs> a podcast on an iPad and, and it's great. Ask my girlfriend for some headphones, right? <laughs> like, I, I mean, I don't have, you know, a, a huge ginormous budget and, and a, a, you know, all this team, which is, it would be fun and great, but I think we live in such a, uh, an opportunity to be able to like do that type of thing and showcase what it really is because it gives people an opportunity to realize that it's actually more real. Um, it's, it's more of a real possibility than it was before. It, it, mm-hmm. it used to see, you see this Netflix special and you're like, God, I could never do that. But you see somebody like you, who's doing somebody like you, who's doing, who's doing the podcast and who's doing YouTube. And it's kind of like doing it on their own. It makes it seem like it's much more obtainable and it doesn't have to be something that's um, so out of touch. And I think that's, I think that's genuine. I think it's authentic and I think it's fucking important. So, I mean, that's what attracted me, me to you in the first place was just like, I like what this fucking guy's doing. I feel, <laughs> I feel like we have a lot in common. And after hearing you talk a little bit about, um, you know, who you listen to and your mindset stuff, I, I, I know that now is a fact that we, we have a lot in common. So what are some of the obvious skills that a comedian needs? This is a totally selfish question. Yeah, I mean, work ethic, you got to be willing to write those 20 jokes, the two or one joke that you end up keeping. 
And then the number one thing I can tell you, Kale, from interviewing over 300 comics, the number one piece of advice has been you have to get on stage. Period, point blank. You have to get on stage. And if that means for now, that means a Zoom show. I think a Zoom show is better than no show. I think you still get good feedback. I think it's still good to get the repetition, get comfortable saying your material. But you have to get on stage. Comedy is a language. And the only way to really learn it is by the submersion of the stage. That everyone has given that advice basically as the number one piece. You, you've got to get on stage and be willing to do it even when you don't feel like it. If it is a Tuesday and you worked all day and you're like, oh, I don't really feel like going and performing on that coffee shop patio. It's like, okay, do you not feel like becoming a professional comedian? You know, you got to really think that long term. Like this decision affect you know, one, two, 10 years down the line, you setting this example for yourself now that no, I'm doing this regardless. You know, I've, I've done strip clubs, uh, the fly, I show up, it doesn't start till midnight. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. And I just, and I sat, like, I actually ended up driving to another show and then coming back and doing, and doing that one. But you know, it's four doing three, four shows in a night. If you can, it really is just doing the work of comedy so it will become your work long term so i would say like writing jokes performing is big um the mindset it seems like you have a good grasp on that of just understanding the process you know the progress over perfection of like you want to do 20 push-ups okay well it starts with one or it starts with push up on your knee you know it just start and having that incremental build up to something um having goals can help too of uh, we did a Q&A with Roy Wood Jr. yesterday, and one of one of his goals starting out was like, okay, every month I want to perform in a new city. It could be the town next to yours or whatnot. He just set little goals for himself that way. It could be, okay, I want to try and act out on this set. I think setting goals for yourself is super important. Having the work ethic and being nice, you know, um, being nice to other comics really goes a long way. You know, it's, that maybe I could have been better at networking, you know, when it's starting out in hindsight, but I was just so focused on just getting as good as possible, which means just getting on stage as much as possible. And I was never mean, but I was never just actively trying to network. And maybe I could have done a better job of that, but I honestly didn't feel like trying to sell myself until I thought I had something to sell. So I think that's another one as well as patience that this may take five, 10 years before you even start to feel confident that, oh yeah, this is a viable career path. You know, it's just a lot of resilience that uh, you've, you just gotta show up, man. You got, I know I said a lot there, I hope it translated, but I was just kind of brain dumping like over my past 10 years, like what are the things that have helped me? It's definitely been being disciplined in the writing and performing but also in like the reviewing of your sets and just treating comedy like a job. I think if you want to be your job, treat it like a job. If you can show up nine to five for an employer you may not like, then why can't you show up for yourself? Ooh, mic drop. Uh, no, I was dialed in. I, I, I picked up what I, I mean, I was taking notes as well. And I, I think one of the things that uh, this next question comes from is kind of a little bit of my past is, I, I know that people can get, and that's why I kind of asked, what's the not so obvious? What, what did you think you needed to do? And then you learned that, oh, I actually need to spend time doing this. So like, for me, um, people could be getting on stage and they could be writing jokes and getting on stage and writing jokes. And that's kind of what I was doing when I ran my CrossFit gym. I was writing workouts and I was teaching classes. I was writing workouts and I was teaching classes over and over and over again. But I never stopped to say, well, how do I grow my business? How do I get out of this? Um, you know, what is going to help me not have to do like nine out, like, like nine hours of coaching classes and only writing workouts, right? Like, um, and so I feel like one of the things that like, what is one of the skills that sometimes just get missed? And I think here's, here's why I think this is because you can find comedy and practice comedy in, in most anything. It, it, and what I mean by that is like, okay, you work a nine to five, right? So does that mean you can't practice comedy? 
right? Because you, you see these TikTokers in the YouTube who are basically taking their, like a door-to-door -door salesman is now using that as a way to practice his writing and, and writing his sales script and stuff like that. So what are some of the unusual ways that you can practice comedy? For me, what I find is like, uh, is I drive Uber, like I said. So yeah. one, I, I get content from Uber, one, mm. first and foremost. And then two, I'll, I'll test some things as best as I can. I'll test them out in the Uber, right? I'll test out, yeah. you know, <laughs> being awkward, uh, different styles, crossing the line, maybe, um, just total silence just to see kind of how they like respond. <laughs> so, so what are some of the unusual things that like, what are some of the unusual things that you do to help whether give you, um, whether it give you, just give you material or inspire you in a different way or help you kind of create a new perspective or angle. Yeah, definitely trying it out on people in conversation is fun. And I, I think it is important to remember, sometimes I, I, it's comedy is fun. I feel like a lot of times I talk about the struggle of it and the reality and the work of it, but comedy is fun. And it's a fun way to live your life that you look for the funny in everything. You know, I'm always looking for jokes and a lot of times if I do a podcast, a lot of times people don't even realize I'm a comedian because like I don't I'm not real. I, I'm funny. But like if I'm off stage, a lot of the times like I, I have to be like mindfully funny or otherwise I'm just talking and having a conversation. You know, I'm not thinking, oh, I need to be a comedian now type deal. Yeah. But it, it did in the early days. I mean, at Enterprise, I would write during my lunch break. That would be something I would do. I would um, try out jokes on customers and things like that. I, I do weave comedy into conversation. I try to weave it into my life, even of looking, even if I'm like walking my dog, I'm not talking to anyone, but if I see something happen, then I just think of like a joke in my head and just kind of like laugh about it that way. I mean, I, I live and breathe comedy. I'm always looking for it. I'm always analyzing it. If I, if I, on like social media, I'm like, that's funny. And then I have to be like, okay, why is that funny? Like I almost like have to deconstruct it so I'm constantly thinking in, in what's funny. Okay. How is it funny? So I'm like appreciating comedy wherever I see it, finding it, but then also analyzing it. And that just keeps the iron sharp. I think is that I'm constantly working that it is a, uh, it's fun, but it, you know, you, there's a time and place. And I have found that <laughs> and I mean, so, like uh, my wife has said to me before, you know, I'm not a comedian. You don't just say those things to me. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it wasn't yeah. rude, but it's just like comedians can just be like belligerent with each other and say absurd things. And you're like, no, I'm a person. That doesn't even make sense to me. You're weird. Like, yeah, yeah. So, so there's a time and place like you for uh, comics to like get weird with each other and you can save it for them. But I'm always looking for comedy. I'm always looking to have a good time and find comedy in my life. And also living experiences, I think, helps me that. I may have an experience where I just go on a hike with my wife or go on a trip or something like that. And I'm not necessarily like, well, I'm going to get a good bit out of this, but it's more of like being open to it without necessarily like forcing it, but just being open to receiving it if it happens. Cause sometimes we'll go into an experience of like, Oh, I'm going to Cirque du Soleil. This is going to be hilarious. It's more of like, I'll just go and be in the moment. And a joke may not hit you then, it may hit you two months from now, and it connects to a current joke you have that you're like, oh yeah, that ties to that thing that happened at Cirque du Soleil. So I think just being open to receiving comedy at any time, you know, we're always looking at it through like the matrix, where it's like a grid and we're always just like looking and analyzing like the Terminator. But it, that, that could be weird and quirky. But it, it's it's a lot of fun. I think it's a fun way to live life. So I I, I don't have that make it makes it fun it. for me, dude. Yeah. I, I I fucking love it. And it's kind of just being aware of novelty, right? Like, uh, yeah. and, and one of the other things that I wrote down was just finding the funny out of serious. Which Miss Pat has told the story uh, and made the joke of you know being shot in the head and and like that's a fucking serious thing. And she she finds the funny out of it, right? And it's like Incredible. she didn't duck too fast. And that is a comic thing. That is a comedian thing. And 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 I enjoy that. Like last night I was playing pickup basketball. And there was this one guy who uh, had came in and we were all just shooting around before we were getting started. And he, he was really sore. He kind of airballed a few. He was really sore. He said he just did like Tabata, uh, which was <laughs> in, my, in, my, in my head is like a, a workout, like a clock workout. But he did like hot yoga with weights or some shit. People are doing all kinds of crazy things. And anyways, <laughs> and anyways later, later, the guy, two guys collide. And he's just like one of those like uh, – 90s NFL like um you know clips where they're all just like here comes the boom right. he would just 
he just flipped and he fell on his back and his head. And as soon as I realized like, okay, he's like, okay ish. <laughs> I was like, man, in my head, I, I had to pause from saying it cause it was too serious. I was, I was like, you're gonna have to keep, you're gonna have to stop doing those Tabata classes or something like that. You know, it's like, you're gonna have to hit up another Tabata class. I'm like, no, you just can't, you just can't say that right no. now. No, you can't hit the weights more. You know, you need to be doing more cleans or something. Get your core right. Yeah. You can't really roast people in the moment like that, but you see the opportunity for the funny. So it's, it's, it's a fun way to live life. I love it, man. I love, I love being a comic. I love everything about it. Even like the struggles we've talked about. I I enjoy all of them every step of the way. I think it's just because what I love to do. And I think anyone, once you find what you love to do, you're willing to do what you hate. To pursue it you know so it just makes all the the work worth it at the end of the day you say that again man uh well i want to be respectful of your time this has been a lot of fun i wish we could have went for like three more this hours great uh, man yeah it, it was a good time uh where can people uh support you where can they find you uh what do you want from my fans <laughs> oh i just fans. want your fans to listen did you say fan what is that fixed mindset over there kale come on we're talking about <laughs> mindset My where can my mom find you? Okay. <laughs> hey, Kale's mom. You can go to joelbyerscomedy.com. And the first thing you'll see is my comedy special. You can pick that up. You're going to laugh. It's fun for the whole family as well. You know, I like at, at my shows, one of, like when we talk about having goals, one of my goals is to be doing afternoon shows. I don't want to be up till midnight at these comedy clubs doing shows. I want to be doing afternoon shows where the grandkids and the grandparents are all there and really just making it a family affair. So it's gonna be a, a comedy special you can show your entire family and feel good about it because you're supporting an up and coming comic here. But if you're a fan of comedy as well, you'll love the podcast. It's called Hot Breath. It's on YouTube, it's on any podcast app. It's all basically 300 interviews from everyone from Jeff Foxworthy, the sector entertainer, to even like an open micer. We really share the entire process of becoming a comedian and I just, I hope if anything, what your fans got out of this is just to whatever you're thinking about, you want to do, and you haven't decided to do it, to just do it, just to take action and have a support system like our Facebook group that you're a member of, Kale, you know, like nobody's alone in this pursuit. So just like find a community that can support you in this mission. And I think you'll be able to accomplish it. Beautifully said, man. Well, I appreciate it so much. Uh, everyone. Go to joelbyerscomedy.com. Yeah. I, rem yes, yeah. I remember. All right. Thank you, Joel. I appreciate you so much. Uh, and talk to you soon, brother. Absolutely. Thanks, Kale.